Hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast. Yes, we have a new show with new episodes. The format of the show is a little bit different. It is broken up into three parts. The first part, Moments of Awe, where I share actionable tips, strategies and coaching models that you can implement in your daily life for massive improvements. And a new part of the show, Tips from My Pen, where I share my insights from my morning pages. And last but not least, Purposeful Conversations with our Radical Shifts series, where we have honest chats with change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. Today we have Ben Lee, who is an award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, essential oils educator, entrepreneur, and professional adventurer. In everything that he does, he is a passionate believer in infinite possibility inherent in the human mind and heart. Over the last 15 years, Ben's music has become increasingly focused on his spiritual path and the awakening of consciousness. He has used the pop song format to experiment and to continually find new ways to carry spiritual messages into mainstream culture through songs. More recently, he has been invited to speak on issues of creativity and spirituality and has begun to share his message of awakening, inner work and non-conformity in this medium. He has offered workshops and given talks on subjects such as how to die and other aspects of being an artist, what would a new artistic culture look like, and songwriting towards virtue. He is such a super cool human being. You are surely going to enjoy this genius and creative mindset, so enjoy. So today we have Ben Lee. Welcome to Radical Shifts. How are you today? Or evening, I should be saying. That's okay. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. Like I said, I think you're going to add a bit of spice to the summit because of what you do. And so for our viewers, let's unpack Ben Lee a little bit and tell us a little bit about your life and what does your story say? Uh, Well, I suppose the central through line to everything I've done has been making music. I was discovered, whatever that means. I was, you know, my journey started professionally with music when I was about 14 years old. So I was in year eight and I basically became a professional underground sort of punk rock musician. 
Um, and all these doors started opening and was traveling around the world, but continuing with school. And it's been a fascinating journey with music, um, particularly because I think the reason that I first got any attention that I got was to do with people looked at him and were like, this is so weird. What is this kid doing? So it wasn't that I was prodigal and uniquely talented in some technical way, but I had a unique vision and a sense of individuality. And I think that I've continued to allow that to unfold throughout my career. And in a way, the specifics of the projects or the decisions that I've made have not been as important as the intention with which they're made. And the intention has always been to sort of expand my own sense of what's possible and hopefully expand my audience's sense of what's possible. So all these very abstract way of describing, you know, I've made lots of records, lots of collaborations, I've produced other artists, um, and my life's gotten more and more dynamic the last decade with uh, different kinds of writing projects and speaking engagements and we have an essential oils business and educating about natural health and wellness and all of it to me feels very cohesive in that it's all about this kind of like getting a sense that there's more possible than what we first began with but you know it's very it's an interesting life <laughs> mm, i'm really curious what was that vision do you recall what the vision was back then well i, I remember very specifically when i was at my first kind of gig at um Selena's at the Coogee Bay Hotel. Um, I was 14. We were opening for this band called Sonic Youth through a very influential New York sort of noise band. And we walked out on stage and the guitars were bigger than us. And we were a terrible band. My band was called Noise Addict. We were, um, we just, we couldn't really play, uh, but we had amazing chutzpah and attitude and, uh, and just, you know, um, yeah, attitude. And I looked at the audience and I saw this perplexed, amused sense of wonder in the audience's eyes. And I felt it too. What's happening? What is this? And it's almost like my whole career since that moment has just been to, it's kind of a loop to just recreate that moment over and over. Um, I love the idea of the unexpected and I love the idea of, uh, creating these little, I don't, the word shock is, we associate it with like Marilyn Manson and Alice Cooper and art that's shocking. But there's another type of shock, like almost like a, a psychological shock when someone drops in and shows up in a way that you're not expecting them to. Like, you know, when you're going through the hustle and bustle of life and someone's like, hi, hey, how are you? No, really, how are you? And we're sort of shocked into like, oh, my God, I'm a human being. Oh, whoa, okay, here's a human being wanting to connect with me. For me, that those moments are the fuel of everything. Oh, wow, that's so true. And so was that the point, your pivot point, your radical shift in your life, that was that turning point for you when you were standing there looking at it? Because as you were saying it, I could almost feel it. I had goosebumps. So it's well, like the that. Moment of realization. Oh, yeah. sorry. No. Me. It was a moment of realization because obviously I already had the intention was in motion. We'd rehearsed, we had demo tapes who we are, um, but it was a moment of, I, I wouldn't say it was a, a pivot point. There are moments before that, that I had to make big decisions 
but and moments after but that was a moment where something crystallized as possible so it's kind of like there are these moments we make these decisions but then there are moments where we see that we're not crazy that it's possible that we might not be there yet but it's possible to get there those moments can be very reinforcing Okay, and so from what I understand, you're rec recreating these moments over and over again. Well, it just sort of like, I loved that moment. And I probably loved it before that. I probably loved it in other ways. I mean, I, I always loved, uh, I just loved the sense of wonder that art can put you into. I remember looking at my sister's had Fleetwood Mac Rumours and Roxy Music Avalon. And I, I never played the vinyl. I was a little kid, but I looked at the album covers and was like, this is weird. What is this? Because they're really weird album covers. Um, and I liked that music and art and the sharing of ideas could be a portal into ways of seeing life that we might not have been open to understanding or experiencing before. So that was already kind of going, but realizing I can do this. This is for me. I like this. I like standing there and facilitating those types of moments. Mm, I know. I actually re, uh, recall uh, some time ago listening to a podcast and there was, um, it was a musician. He was just saying that when you are into uh, that realm of playing music, creating music, it does um, almost heightens your senses you're listening, you're everything about you to that. It's almost like a spiritual awakening is the way that he described it. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it's so deeply intimate, um, the relationship to music, um, that sometimes when I hear other people talking about it, I can't believe they're like, oh my gosh, you have that experience too? Uh, because, you know, as Shakespeare said, trust not the man that hath no music in his soul. Music is it's the facilitator of an exchange of emotion of um, yeah, just the vibration. It's incredible. It's, so there's something about, we all love music. I mean, I don't even believe it when people say they don't like music or they don't listen to music. It's just, they've forgotten. There's something about music that is so primal and it's so connected to dreaming and it's like this blank canvas that we can project all of these experiences onto and it becomes this amazing just way of bypassing the intellect and getting straight to the heart and to the unconscious and subconscious mind and music can really be powerful in that way oh it is, it is. Uh, to me it's all about emotion and i think that sometimes i remember songs that sometimes uh where i've had significant emotional events take place and i can relate it back to a song so yeah. it's almost like an imprint of that particular song from you know many many years ago what's well, funny how a lot of the like my family is actually quite cerebral in a sense like the conversations growing up were very intellectual and academic but it's been interesting in my life. I've been very drawn to sound, to smell, to other senses that, again, are portals to places beyond the intellect. And if you bring, if you can then bring intellectual tools to understanding the experiences that you're having. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that thinks the mind is nothing, all heart. Like the mind is incredible. But, to bring it into partnership with information from these other senses can be, it can like, you know, double its power. 
Oh, absolutely. You're tapping into different vibrations. Absolutely. And there are different vibrations. So there's, there's a statement here. Once you've seen the world through different eyes, you can never go back. Talk us through what you meant with that statement. I don't know if I said it. I trust you if you said I <laughs> I did some research. Um, well, you know, I come from underground music where you wanted to blow people's minds. And that wasn't always, like I said, with techno, technical virtuosity. It was often with volume. It was with the sheer violence and aggression of the performance, which is something that I no longer find that uh, I'm not that connected to. When you're younger, often that type of way of, uh, you know, way of blowing your own mind is more, more meaningful. But I have always believed and continue to believe that we are capable of getting glimpses into realities that are beyond our limited scope of vision. Um, and music's a part of that. That's why I found it very fascinating the way psychedelics work with the human mind and even just in conversation. I mean, I think we as humans are capable of blowing each other's minds, you know, and that's still my favorite thing to experience someone blowing my mind. Um, because it's tricky, you know, I heard someone say once that basically a moment of enlightenment, you know, a peak experience, having your mind blown, it's a bit like you're walking through the dark and suddenly there's a flash of lightning and you can, now you can see the entire horizon. You see all the trees and everything, but then it goes dark again. And it's not like you retain it at a conscious level. Like those of us that all of us have had peak experiences and we often have the delusion I'm never going to go back to the way I was. Life can never be the same. And in a way that's naive, but in a way it's true because I think it's creating almost like muscle memory for experiences later on that will build on the, um, Hey, my love, <laughs> my daughter's coming in. Um, experiences that will almost prepare us to stabilize at a level of awareness, you know? So for instance, um, we might get as, as parents, right? We might get the experience of a sudden awakening of compassion because we realize the vulnerability and the innocence that we're custodians of. But then we go into our jobs or our interactions with each other and we lose that and we go back to our hardened self. Yet something's growing inside us, you know, and each time we have that flash, it gets stronger. And I do believe in my own life that there have been experiences of expanded consciousness that have taken multiple exposures in order to stabilize. Mm. Um, but in a way, once it begins, it begins. Uh, and once you see, you know, you see this in movies, they play this out very well. When there's um, a crisis looming, it begins with tiny hints. There's foreshadowing. You know, we feel it, that it carries, say you have a movie dealing with like the civil rights movement and you see in the white characters, tiny inklings of guilt or shame about their behavior that are leading to a larger socio sociological change, you know? So, uh, so it's complicated, right? Why we change and the process we change in. But I do believe that once you get that first glimpse, 
it's almost like the death sentence has been written on your old way of seeing. It's just, we can't say exactly how long it's going to take, but it is going to fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, I always look at when you talk about enlightenment, ascension or spiritual awakening, it is that um, it's, it's, I always say that, you know, there was once upon a time, I think I was walking through life with my eyes closed and, but now my eyes are opened because I see it in such a different, uh, I guess, you know, my perceptions and my reality to life today are very, very different. And I guess from, I, I do have a question for you. Like, how do you think our perceptions shape our reality? And what is the difference between perception and reality? Well, I, I don't have an answer to that. I can only speak from my own experience. Of course. When my perception is essentially positive, for lack of a better word, I, it appears I draw good things towards me. Um, and I look at that very, you know, all the work I do is any success I've had is, um, you know, it's not like a corporate job where you can just work your way up the ladder. Uh, it, it has to do with people wanting to be in your energy. That's what it is to be a performer and to be an artist. And I look at it in a very pragmatic way. Um, I think I've gotten jobs because I'm kind of positive to hang out with. I'm sort of a positive influence. Like I try and add value. I try and, there are areas where I'm technically not as skilled. When I got up on that first stage of 14, I had nowhere near as much skill as I had positive mindset. So in a very pragmatic way, if I'm going to choose between a few people to give a job to, I'm going to choose the one that I feel good about myself around. Mm. Um, so it just seems really simple to me, the yeah. way that, our perception affects our reality. And of course, then there's the other level of the things, not the new things that we attract, but that we're able to see with gratitude, the positive things that are already there. Mm. So our lives also appear more miraculous when we're in gratitude. And when we're in cynicism, they appear despairing and depressing. So true. I totally agree with that. I was actually just having a conversation with a, another a lady today exactly in regards to gratitude. When you are grateful for your lessons, because I always, uh, every day I love journaling and I always look at what did I learn from today uh, and I'm always grateful for the lesson. I think that it comes from a place of the heart as well and it's not from a place of, of other emotions. Um, and I think that when you're grateful with, you know, with what you have for your family, your, your, your business, your, whatever that may be, your gift, you know, cause I see that you're very much using your gift and that's how you're tapping into the world and attracting this, um, reality into your world because you're vibrating at that high level. You're tapping into, you know, those other vibrations we were talking about, hence why you do what you do. Um, but I think that for me, gratitude is something I practice daily. And since I've been doing that, I find that my life is so much more abundant than me uh, trying to manifest or create something uh, because I come from a place of almost desperation, if that makes yeah, sense, which is what you're talking about. Well, yeah. yeah, I've had a lot of experiences like that in my sort of internal life where I've learned the difference between, for lack of a better word, prayer, what it means to pray from a place of please help me, please help me, 
and what it means to pray from a place of thank you. Thank you. Because you know that ultimately on a cosmic level, I don't mean on a day-to-day level, that your needs will be met at a cosmic level, you know? So gratitude for that is kind of where it begins and ends, I think. Um, And when we come with desperation, uh, look, you can look at this at an interpersonal level all the time, like dating. I mean, desperation does not get you anywhere. The ability to walk away gives you negotiating power. And the ability to walk away comes entirely from a self-belief that your needs will be met. If it's not here, it'll be met somewhere else. So I think business is an amazing sort of game, amazing play, play field to see these dynamics at work. And you realize that the way our beliefs about who we are and the type of world we're in affect the types of exchanges, interactions and success or failure that we have. Mm. So, so true. I, I, um, with that, I do have, as I'm talking about when you, as you're talking about the whole business side of things, and I, I see this all the time. We, um, you know, as humans, we're always wanting more money, a bigger house, a better job, more clients, whatever that may be. And because we're so focused on the wanting piece, we become really reactive. And our doing piece is like we're constantly, re- you know, chasing our tail and being reactive. And then how we are feeling and being is exhausted, tired, anxious. But what about if we were to reverse engineer that and actually start being the very thing we want to be so it's being happy so if because when we're talking about setting goals for yourself most of the time it's either I want happiness or freedom and if you are just being in that present moment being happy then you're doing is you're actually doing the things that you love to do and to have exactly what you want to have in the end so it is interesting we get it I think as humans we get it back the front we focus on the wrong things almost yeah, I, think also we, I think also in terms of growth, we think the reason that we want to grow is because we want to reach a certain destination. So, oh, I'm working hard on my career because I want to reach $300,000 a year income, you know, whatever someone's story is. And they then have made a connection between this impulse to grow and a specific goal. Whereas the reality is everything in nature seeks growth all the time. And it's not for a specific goal. When a plant is growing towards the light, it doesn't have some belief. Yeah, eventually I'm going to get to that light and then we'll stop and we'll be, you know, I've achieved my dreams. So there's a type of peace I think we can have with our yearning for the light, with our yearning for growth in that it's its own reward. We're not growing to get somewhere. We're growing because stretching feels good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like you surrender to the light, I think, sometimes. It's almost like you just have this faith and understanding. It will just take place. Yeah, well, it's like you, you know, the the human spirit is indomitable. And if you decide you're going in that direction, um, like I, I planned, again, the analogy, barring some you know, someone coming and chopping you, you down physically or, you know, it, you, you basically are going to get there sooner or later. Like plants keep growing. Yeah. They get illnesses, they, you know, but it's, it, I think it's a surrender. It's an interesting one because it's surrender into the, the, the need for action 
that it's entirely natural to yearn and to work hard and to achieve and to grow and thrive. Like it's the most natural thing in the world. And one of the things that I think is sad about our society is I think because we've lost touch with that, we've kind of demonized and it's become this shadow thing. And you end up with businesses that want growth over concern for environmental impact or, um, ethical business or taking care of their employees or like ultimately we should look at growth as about creating healthier and healthier environments for dynamic expansion. That's good for everybody. Like the bigger we get, the better we get and the more good we're doing and the healthier we get essentially. Mm, that's really important too and I think there is not enough of that I mean we always talk about you know and especially these days because there's it's, there's so many disruptions in our life whether it's social media media you name it I think we don't have that time uh, we don't give ourselves the time to actually stop and reflect and think about those kind of things it's just very very fast paced well there's a great I really like that book that um Simon Sinek book start with why yeah. that really argues in favor of having those conversations from the very beginning of any endeavor. And I think that's whether it's you're going to have kids or you're starting a new business or you're, you've got a hobby, like being tapped into your real motivation for it beyond the sort of surface goals you want to achieve or the surface problems you're trying to fix. Like, and for me, a lot of that is being tapped into the innate, primal human ex desire to experience more absolutely that to me the why is the unconscious driver it's the purpose you know and we always we always talk about finding our purpose or finding our true meaning in life and it doesn't matter whether you apply it personally or business but the why piece is so important and quite often we know what we want to do and how do we want to do it we were not get into the why and then we wonder why we get lost along the way. And so I think that, you know, quite often you hear people bantering around about, I want to find my purpose. What is my purpose in life? You know, and you know, what are your, your thoughts around finding your purpose in life or the meaning in life? What does that mean well, to you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's this sense of possibility. I always come back to like, I like the game. I like the game of life. You know, I don't, I'm not someone who has a specific end goal, but I intend to play with a type of passion and dynamism and commitment and enjoyment um, to experience it completely ethically in a way that I can feel good about my behavior in it. I mean, the way that we play the measure of ourselves and our ethics can really be seen in our behavior within the game. You know, did we get, not did we, when did we get distracted? Um, when did we sell out? When did we, uh, when did we stay firm and uh, focus on our principles? You know, all these things we can ask ourselves as we're playing with a light touch, you know, so that we can begin to like, understand the areas where it's like the human body like we're trying to get healthy we're looking where are their blocks where are their which muscles are compensating for others which are like we want to become holistically healthy and so 
for me, the why is really connected to full experience. Um, and I don't mean that in a, sometimes that type of language is almost taken to mean like hedonism or something, you know, like, oh, I just want to experience everything. It's not that at all. It's I want to experience my choices and the impact of the power of my choices um, to their maximum. You know, I, I don't want to live this life unconsciously. I want to live it as a participant. Mm, I love that. So you live your life more consciously. I'm really curious. You just mentioned you actually don't have an end goal. So are you saying you don't have a vision or you don't have a goal? You just really thrive on the journey and just go with the flow of life and see where it takes you? Is well, that there, are goals, there are goals along the way. Like if I start making an album, the goal is to finish the album, you know. But with art, it's different because when you look back at careers, the kind of careers that I admire, like say like Leonard Cohen, right, who died last year, I think. Um, when you look back at his career, it's not a flawless commercial enterprise or even a flawless artistic enterprise. It was experiment. It had experiments. It had whims. It had, um, but overall, the through line was that guy experienced being Leonard Cohen and mm. he expressed it. Like, my goal is to live this thing out and to do it in a way that, you know, it's interesting the way life unfolds. I mean, I was talking to my friend today and I said, you know, I'm already at the point where you go, what's the connective tissue between Fugazi and Kylie Minogue? It could only be Ben Lee. Like there aren't many <laughs> artists that have worked in the variety of touched the variety of fields that I've touched and that's only continuing. And all of that is me testing the limits of what this thing is. What can it do? I mean, it's literally like you're born and you're given a car and my goal is to figure out what it can do and use it for its best stuff. And that might be moment to moment. That might be helping someone who needs help in a given moment, you know. Um, but I, I can't say there's, I'm not just using it to drive from here to there. I'm using it to experiment with what it is. Yeah, and you do that very well, may I say. I think you're very, very creative and very much the way that you think is, I always say, thinking outside of the box. So I'm really curious, how does that creativity, uh, how do you tap into that creativity? Because you're talking about, you know, this is your vehicle and it's about um, how you drive that vehicle and you're very, very creative. So how do you tap into those, uh, you know, when do those creative ideas come to you? Is it in the shower, when you're driving? Well, I mean, it's almost like the idea, the, the word creative ideas compartmentalizes them as if every idea we're not having is creative. I mean, when you pick what you're having for dinner and you go to the grocery store, you're making creative decisions. So I don't think they're like special thoughts. And I think there's a bit of mythology around artists that make them like, oh, artists have those special thoughts, you know, like I hear a song, or, you know, maybe that happens, but... I make things, you know, my, my, my work is very pragmatic in that sense. Um, I make stuff. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Um, I have an idea. It might come from a conversation. It might come in a dream. It might come as I'm walking the dog. And if it sticks with me, I try and make it. And I see if it 
still holds any of that feeling. Now, it often doesn't. Often you make the thing and it didn't touch the space that you touched in your mind. But that's part of being human too, that we have transcendent vision and the execution in the material world is often not as exquisite as our imaginations can be. Um, but I don't, I don't really have an answer of how does it work because I don't understand it. But I don't see my life as being much more creative than anyone else's. I just see I've chosen to play. Like kids are so creative when they play. I mean, when you see kids just playing dolls, or it's just pure creativity. And they're just, they're buying in. They're like, I'm, I'm in this game. Let's play. And that's kind of, that's all I'm doing. It's the same thing. It's so true. I think it's, it's, and you're right, it's a perception that um, people, musician, artists are more creative because they do something with it. And it's true. It's everyone's creative. We've got a right side of our brain that we can tap into. It's just about what we do with it. And I guess, you know, I get, when you're talking about ideas and they do come to you, you know, I, I, in conversation or walking your dog, but what's been your best idea that you've ever had? Uh, I think marrying my wife was a good one. That's definitely out of single decisions. That might be the one that will ultimately uh, bring the biggest return on investment <laughs> as a human being. Um, uh, um, you know, it's been a refinement of ideas. I think one of them was an idea that grew and grew over the course of my career and experimentation has been that any success or recognition I will achieve, it will be by being true to myself. I'm not. And now that came through process of elimination because I tried to pander and it didn't work. It didn't get me the results I wanted. So I'm not an idiot. Like, it, like a lot of it is just kind of being clever and going like, well, that didn't work. Not going to do that again. Don't touch the fire twice. Um, my strength is not in being an imitator. I just don't have that. I see a lot of people that have that chameleon type thing and they're, they're good at it. They can see a path and they can copy it and be successful with it. That's not my strength. So the theory here has been that the more unique and idiosyncratic my vision of my life becomes, the better my chances for success. Mm. Cause I, I think that yeah. Yeah. No, cause I, it, I totally agree. I mean, we're all authentic. We all have our own identity. We own our, have our own gift and it's about what, we do with that gift in our life. I agree. There's too many people, I think, that seek external themselves to find themselves, if that makes sense, where it's really the, the opposite, isn't it? It's going deep, doing the deep work, going inside, internalising things, and that's where you find your, your ideas, your gifts, your talents, and so forth. Yeah, and also it's kind of doing what's fun to you. Mm. Like, like Ben Folds, this musician I play with a lot, like he, he said follow your bliss always sounded a bit dramatic to him. He liked follow your interest. Mm. Follow what you're interested in. Yeah. I mean, there's a great podcast I like, How I Built This. It's an NPR podcast. Um, it's about entrepreneurs and stuff. They're always just following an idea that was interesting to them. Yeah. 
And it's something that people skip when they go, I'm looking for a million dollar idea. I'm looking for a million dollar idea. Just think about your life, follow something you're interested in and you have a much better chance of success. And with businesses, it's interesting because we see this a lot now that the world has become so much more niche, you know, through the internet, um, that companies trying to be everything to everyone are not nearly as interesting as companies trying to be absolutely unique and like service at a very specific level, a community. Um, Cause then there's loyalty and there's understanding and there's, you know, a real compatibility. So I think in general, like that journey of becoming who you are is the greatest journey that a human being can take. But that's not, it's interesting that you say that because it is true. It's about what you are interested in. But nowadays, quite often you hear entrepreneurs speak about find out what your tribe wants and create that. Uh, and then you'll you'll speak to other entrepreneurs and even as an astrologist not that long ago I spoke to a Vedic astrologist who she was saying exactly what you were saying tap into your interests tap into the things that you love to do and they will come yeah and also like who's in your tribe you are yeah you know like yeah. if you find out what your tribe wants that should include you <laughs> yeah. like you and if something you know if you really feel and obviously there's compromise and like I'm not someone who's like believes all art should be just indulgent interpretive dance where we feel good rolling around on the floor. Um, there's communication and there's compromise. Um, but a hundred percent, if it feels wrong to you, don't go down that path. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. that's so true. And I think that, you know, I remember even going through building an avatar for business and I couldn't build a fake one. It was all relatable to me and I had to build two separate uh, avatars, but they were uh, aspects of different, you know, I believe we all have multi-selves and I had to tap into some of those multi-selves uh, to be able to identify my avatar, which is, once again, it was all internalized. Mm -hmm. mm. So do you believe in the mindset of needing nothing attracts everything? It's, you know, I mean, everything is its opposites also true. I, I think what's powerful about that is what I was sharing about the, the power of negotiation. Um, if you can walk away, you are more powerful. Mm. Um, but there is also the vulnerability of desire. And when someone can speak their truth, including what they want and can stand there without in like a non-aggressive way, but can actually be like, I want this. I want this job. I want to make this project happen. I want this collaboration. I want this marriage. The human, the virtue of the human ability to fight for what it believes in is also incredibly attractive. So I think they're both, these are all like, this is what I said again about um, having a balanced body and being healthy. Sorry, I keep knocking that symbol. Um, is that we want to have all these dynamics within us and we want to have all of these tools and know when to pull them each out. You know, there's that moment when you're at a dead, dead end. He's just not that into you, you know, <laughs> that kind of moment when you're, ability to tap into that part of you that doesn't need it that badly. That's crucial. And then there's other times when you got to stand there and you got to fight. So I, I don't believe in like a one size fits all approach to life. I think that knowing how to dance is really important. Yeah. 
I love that, knowing how to dance. And that takes also a lot of courage to be vulnerable because I remember once upon a time, I used to think is vulnerability as a sign of weakness. If I stand there in my truth and say, hey, I love you, I care for you, I'm being vulnerable, uh, but I'm also being, um, you know, it, it was, it was it, to me a sense of weakness, whereas now I see very much vulnerability as a sign of strength, to be able to stand in your truth and regardless of what the outcome is and the repercussions or the consequences of being vulnerable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you believe is one or are some keys to successful change? Um it's funny, I I studied Taoism when I was 18 years old for a few years and I fell in love with change. Actually, I can even go back before that. Is Goldie again? Hi my love. Um one of um when I studied the romantic I don't know, soon after dinner. When I studied the romantic poets in high school, Keats and Blake, and I fell in love with their love for change. You know, these were not poets who sought a stagnant experience. They sought a dynamic experience. And that really affected me. I remember I was 17 years old, probably studying that stuff. And I was like, I get this. I get the idea that we're not looking for something to put in a box. We're looking for something that moves. We're looking to dance, you know? And I think that mindset where we don't demonize change, but we see it as something gorgeous, you know, that can be a very good tool. Like I've talked to a lot of people in the music industry who have not been able to adapt as technology's changed, as the industry's changed, styles changed. And I've always carried myself with a very light touch. I was like, yeah, doing this, doing that. Oh, I'm going to just keep moving. And it's because I love change. Um, so I think that's the big one. It's, not everyone loves change, though, and I think it's almost like our, our, we are creatures of habit and almost our default position is to remain or, or to, to remain something that's familiar to us or similar to our environment. Uh, I'm also one of those people that love change. I love variety, but I know that, for example, not everyone loves change. So what would be something that you would help um, bring to light for those that have, you know, stuck with change or fear change or anything like that, what would be something that you would say to them? Well, when we think about falling in love, there's organic love where you just see someone, you fall in love, but there's also falling in love can be cultivated and it can sometimes take work and the decision to fall in love predates falling in love. Usually, you know what I mean? Usually we let us fall in love. So begin there. Imagine a scenario where it's possible where change becomes your friend and it's something that you love about life, even though that's something maybe now seems crazy. Just let yourself fall in love. Watch the changes. Build trust. Build a sense that this universe might not be hostile to you personally. It might just be changing because that's nature but it's not personal. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think if we cultivate it, we can begin to love it. 
because we don't have a choice. Look, it's good. It changes like this universe changes. So I think it's one of those things where like, do you want to go with it or you want to go against it? Yeah. So you're just, but you're talking about surrendering, surrendering to the possibilities, surrendering, not having our walls up and just allow it to happen and take shape. Yeah. But I'm talking about something else too. I'm talking about passion. Mm. You know, like surrender can almost sometimes feel passive. I'm talking about passion and devotion. The fact that life in all of its mystery and all of its like violent disruption to our plans, we can actually learn to fall in love with it Mm. and be like, oh my gosh, what's it going to do next? Whoa. What is it going to do? I cannot wait to see how this next chapter goes. Because I just got to the end of this chapter and it's been crazy. What's going to happen next? Wake up with that attitude and the day becomes fun. I like that. I really like never. I mean, for me, it's, it's one of those things that it, I'm always very conscious about what I feed my mind. I'm not into, so for example, I don't watch the news, I don't read the news, I don't listen to the news. I'm very conscious about uh, living my own little bubble of uh, possibilities. And I love... I don't think we do have enough fun, but I love that curiosity mindset of having fun. What's going to happen next? That sense of curiosity brings lightness to it. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, this might sound crazy, but you know, even when you're like running low on money, it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see how this problem is solved. Like, cause it's going to get solved because that's generally what happens with nature. Like cycles happen and things get cleansed and we move into new areas. And isn't it exciting to see what happens? And what you find coming back to where our conversation started, that when you have that energy, you actually attract opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. having Having a fun outlook on this wild, wild adventure is the best advice I could offer. I love that. And it is an adventure. Absolutely. It's an adventure. And I think it's in everything that happens in life, it's the meaning we give it. And you could actually give it a meaning of having fun with it. And it will change the lens of how you see things by saying, this is fun. What's going to happen next? A bit of a mystery. Yeah. So Ben, we always love to wrap up with some fun questions. Are you you ready for some rapid fun questions? I think so. Yeah, you think so? Okay. So what do you think about when you're alone in a car? Um, when I'm alone in the car, I'm usually listening to a podcast or music. So I'm actually just trying to be receptive, mm. just being receptive to ideas. Okay. And what's your favourite podcast? Um, well, I like that, How I Built This. Um, I like... Um, I like the Mark Maron one. Um, I like Pete Holmes's podcast. Yeah, a bunch of different ones. Okay, great. If you were a superhero, what would be your superpowers? Uh, courage. Courage. Oh, talk me through that one. Well, it's just I look back, like ultimately everything we're discussing requires courage. Yeah. Because everyone says I want faith. Faith is what you get at the end of a process. You don't get faith at the beginning of a process. Like you have courage at the beginning of a process. And if it works out, you have faith. Faith 
is proven. It's something happens to you and then you have faith. But you start with courage. So I've been lucky that I've always had courage so I can be in the middle of a process where I don't know the outcome and I can still enjoy it. Oh, that's really fascinating. See, I've always looked at courage. So for me, courage is um, fear. So I, when I in, uh, encounter fear, for example, I embrace it anyway, walk through it, and that's when I, I sort of you know, bump into courage. And faith, for me, is completely different. But I love that concept completely. All right, last question. If you were a, any flavour ice cream, what ice cream flavour would you be and why? A lemon sorbet. Okay, why? Uh, cleansing. <laughs> cleanses the palate. <laughs> it does cleanse the palate. Ben, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Radical Shift Summit. Thank it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I just love, love hearing how you speak and the way that you oh. think. You're very, very unique. Oh, thank you. And if people are interested, they can go to my website, which is ben-lee.com and I have a mailing list and all kinds of projects I can fill them in on. And yeah, That would be awesome. And we've got a page for you too, so that our viewers will be able to connect with you on the page as well. So thank you once again for your time. Thanks, Catherine. Speak to you soon. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.